Today on Movie World, as we talk about My Octopus Teacher, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, The Devil All the Time, and Cuties, and much, much more. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly host of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Greetings. Hello Yay, all. we are together. Yes. Socially distancing. Yes. But we are in the same area. Correct. We on get Yesti's to see Yazdi live. On yes. Yazdi's balcony. We exist, places. yes. <laughs> yes, we are outdoor, which is Correct. very pleasant. It is. Other than the sun in your faces. No, it's <laughs> making us glow. <laughs> it is made from where I sit. You guys are like gods. Oh. <laughs> Shining. <laughs> we be lit up by the sun. We yes. We be. yes. I arranged it so. Thank you. <laughs> no, no actually, it's very it's nice to be in person again. It's nice, yeah. First of all, um, your sound quality, Yazdi, for the first time in months, you're not going to sound like scratchy, tinny iPhone distancey, <laughs> yeah. internet-y, so it's really nice to get you finally in the flesh, and hopefully um, yes. that is appreciated by the listeners. Uh, but also, just nice to hang out with you again. Likewise, likewise. And talk Long movies. Long time coming. Yay! And we have a lot to talk about. We do. There is a lot of content. Yes, and we have but scraped only the top of the iceberg. I know. The iceberg I feel like big. I am constantly playing catch-up. Because people yeah. keep saying, have you, have you watched this? Have you watched this? Have you watched this? I'm like, no, well, I it's haven't. F- it's funny because I thought that with the whole pandemic and not being able to go to theatres and things like that, that we would be slow for content. And it feels like it's coming through thick and fast in yeah. different ways. And it's weird because I think we're still going to have kind of a, a sparse year in terms of movie releases like there's a lot of stuff that's not coming out they just delayed bond today i don't know if you Correct, heard that but that yeah, got it's been moved out to april 2021 yeah, yeah. which is yeah. a bummer because i was kind of looking forward to that one yeah but i think uh, i think it's uh, it would have been a losing proposition and i, I think, think people are ready yet. wonder woman got moved as well right because mm-hmm, yeah. that was going to be the big october november release yeah so and tenet has done terribly in the US box office, but you know, theatres aren't open, so. Um, well, and I think people aren't ready to rush back to the theatre. Yeah, I think as that's As we discussed it. a few weeks ago when we went to see it. I mean, we haven't rushed back. Um, although I am thinking now as I look at um, the Stubbs app and what's on AMC, so few people are going, it's probably safe to go mm. because no one else is going. So you practically have the whole theatre to yourself, but still it doesn't feel yeah. quite right at the minute. Yeah. So, um, and we'll you see. haven't been. I have not. Yeah. Did you I go to the drive-through yesterday? I know you I were talking about. Doing I was a thinking about doing it, but it always seems like such a hassle. You go up, and then I don't know. I I don't have the inertia to do it. <laughs> I should do it. I want to do it just for the experience. I've never been to a drive-in, not drive-through. I said drive-through. <laughs> a drive-in. That would be a quick movie. movie. I know, right? <laughs> I've never been to a drive-in movie theater. I've been to one in Minnesota, and it seemed like. The drive-in was for everything except the movie. So it's for right, you know, the, experience. the experience and the, you know, the popcorn and being with Which other people. Fun. And it's dark in the night and it's fun and all that. Yeah. But I think, I'm not sure if it's, if you're meant to see a movie through a 
through the windshield of your car with like croaky sound through your car stereo. The but maybe things worries me but maybe most. things have improved considerably in the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels I'm, like you would almost be better off having a, a, a large iPad in your <laughs> car in some ways. Right, but then it would almost be like the back of an aeroplane. Right, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I I've heard about the San Diego one. So we have a, I think one two. or two, is there two? two. There, there's one in Santee and which I've heard is kind of a, a an experience to be experienced once but it's kind of a, a a teenage san diego kind of hangout is it like um, a where you go and make out like i'm going to the movies but possibly. where I've you heard, meet your i've heard different things but yes i've heard um from from folks that have lived in san diego their whole life and it's kind of a rite of passage um the bathrooms i think are they make gas station bathrooms look great oh. so <laughs> Thanks, you're making this more and more. Make yeah. <laughs> what you will, basically. Um, but, but, but there's one more year in South Where, Bay. Is there really? Mm-hmm. By Ocean Beach. Mm. I should check that one that out. That sounds nice. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to do it. Be, let's do it. Let's do that. Okay, we'll if do it. It can be our homework assignment. Okay, that will our be our podcast. assignment. Anyhow, um, in the absence of the silver screen, we have been uh, viewing many things on the small screen and... Um, Again, there's just been lots of quality releases, so I guess we can talk about a few of them today. The the four that we've kind of headlined are uh, My Octopus Teacher, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Devil All the Time, and Cutie. So, should we tackle them in that order? Yep, let's do it. All right, so let's start with My Octopus Teacher. Okay, um, so My Octopus Teacher, rather unusual title, um, is basically about a filmmaker who forges an unusual friendship with an octopus living in a South African kelp forest, learning as the animal shares the mysteries of her world. Um, This is directed by Pippa Ulrich and James Reed, who is actually the the guy who does the diving, and written by them as well. Um, And we've all seen this one, and it was a kind of... I didn't know anything going into it, but um, I'm dying to hear what you both thought of this. So, Yazdi, why don't you start? Yeah, so I was told by uh, several people that this is a movie I should watch. Um, I watched most of the movie with my mouth open. I was just agape while I was watching it. And I think if ever a movie screamed to be watched on the big screen, this is it. I mean, just the, it's worth seeing just for the cinematography. I mean, there is not a bad, you know, there's not a bad visual in this movie. I am in awe. I mean, I think this whole area of natural photography has been pushed to the limit with very very high definition videos being taken but but even by those standards this just the underwater photography is just impeccable and i think beyond that um the movie kind of gets you at this precipice where either you either you let the movie walk you where it wants to or you actively uh, push back and I and let me just explain I think all documentaries are fake in a way because the presence of the camera changes the behavior of the person who's being filmed so there is a lot which happens between this person and a specific octopus you know way under the water and if you are buying the whole concept that this is real and that they haven't used any artifice that that's this really like if you drink the Kool-Aid then it's pretty remarkable because then it starts talking about how no matter how jaded we might get in life and we may kind of lose purpose, just a return to nature will help you, if not uh, 
if not come back to your original self, then at least give you the passion and give you the uh, the wonder and the awe that might be missing in your life. And in this case, this man, the the lead character who is kind of burnt out in life, he just decides to, you know, track day after day this one particular sea creature, this octopus. And, you know, the the, the title is My Octopus Teacher, and he kind of learns from the behavior of the octopus uh, just how intelligent this creature is and how much he needs to reconnect with things in his own life. So, so I, so I yes, think it's yeah, remarkable. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, you're, um, yes. sound, by the sounds of it, you sound like you enjoyed it a lot. A lot. Okay, yes. Joe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a remarkable piece of film. Uh, you know, I think for me, it, 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 it's, I, I struggled to connect with it in the sense of it, it felt, very much felt like the story of this man's midlife crisis mm -hmm, and it was much. introduced that way and because of that I think I was waiting for a good part of the movie for the for the movie to start rather than kind of experiencing it for what it was but nonetheless it, it is beautifully shot it's marvelous marvelously engaging it's so um, it takes you into a place that's um, kind of a, it's a very unique space it's one man and this animal in nature i totally bought its premise i totally bought that this story was of a man and his connection with this sea creature and um it made me feel um horrible for ever having eaten any animal in my yes. life like i, I mean, ser I, mean I, yeah, I, me say, I say that seriously i mean i think yeah. when when you recognize that beasts you know even such as you know this soft lump of jelly thing with tentacles can be so marvelously um, human <laughs> in its qualities and they, anthrop they anthropomorphize it a lot but um, yeah just 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 very very engaging yeah this is one of the most unusual nature documentaries that like you said Joe use, really uses that narrative of a man's relationship with the octopus almost as a metaphor or a way to describe his his midlife crisis right but boy did this make me sob because at the heart of it it really was about and it can be about anything right but I just fell in love with the relationship he creates with this living creature and I just found it got under my skin and unlike you Joe I was just mesmerized by it and like you Yasti I just found it incredible to look at and I, I just didn't want it to end and as as we're getting near the end I didn't want the relationship to end and so it, it almost plays like a love story mm -hmm. right um, which is unusual in a nature documentary but it's beautifully paced and it's got good tension and I just I mean I think the contention for me was around the fact that, you know, this man really did fall in love with this octopus, <laughs> um, which is, you know, a bit strange when right. you say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can take it for what it is, don't look too deeply into it. It's just a beautiful story, I think. And like you said, Joe, I mean, we did consider at lunchtime while we were tucking into our <laughs> carnivorous chicken, chicken carnivorous stew, um, you know, gosh... It makes us feel bad for, for eating animals. Yeah, and I think the other thing the movie kind of really drove home for me was the fact that we humans are so selfish in that we think our lives are important and everything is about us. 
And for a minute, if we just move the attention from ourselves to any other living being, yeah. their life is no less extraordinary, maybe a hundred times more extraordinary. And I'm just thinking about the life of this octopus, which is either it is it is at risk of being eaten by someone or it is trying to eat someone. And yeah. within that, there is so much tension and fear and sadness. And I mean, this this movie had more action and and tenseness than, than most scripted movies I have seen. I was like, there's a whole piece, yes. I think towards the end of the movie, which is a good half an hour, which is when this octopus's life is in peril. And, and my heart was in my mouth the whole time. Me too. So I that's why I think it's, even if it's an artifice, it's remarkably well done in terms of how it's all put together. I just, I'm in awe how they got to film all of that and I capture know, it in the first place. I know, and I literally lost it at one point when it's all about the relationship between the octopus and the man, which right. again, as I'm saying the words out loud, it sounds so strange. I know. But I think, you know, if you are an animal lover of any sort, if you have an animal, um, as Yazdi blows kisses to the lovely Miss Sawyer. Um, Yazdi's dog. Yeah, Yazdi's dog. Um, you know, the relationship we create with things that, don't speak back. In this case, we're on land, right? We can talk to our animals. Underwater, he's just communicating by his energy in a way. Um, and it's just remarkable. And I think what it really made me yearn for was, I remember growing up in the 70s and there used to be these great Jack Cousteau mm -hmm. um, weekly shows on TV. He was a really famous diver. And it it felt like it gave us a connection with what's under the sea and i feel like we've lost that a little bit now one uh, one of the the things that i thought was also remarkable about his journey with this animal was despite building this very deep and meaningful connection with this animal kind of organically you know getting there to a place of trust and then getting to a place where he could go into its environment and it not um you know be you know be fearful of predation or or any kind of interference he he made a very deliberate decision to not interfere with nature and you said it at the beginning as you can't you can't film mm -hmm. something you can't observe something without changing what 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 happens there so you know when you talk about moments of peril where there there are these sharks that represent a danger to this this creature with whom he has this deep connection he could have easily shooed them away mm -hmm. and Yet he opted to let nature be nature and for those sharks to, to chase his friend. And, you know, um, you know, so it was just interesting that he he I, I can't imagine. Like I'm not sure I would have had the discipline. Well, that's what I'm to saying. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine I would let a, pre a predator come after my cat without going after the predator. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. And I think. It also makes it very clear that this kind of connection doesn't come. Like, you can't just show up somewhere and say, Hi, snake. Hi, monkey. Hi, octopus. I mean... I thought he... you were talking to us then. <laughs> hi, snake and hi, monkey. <laughs> no. It's like Kung Fu Panda. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but he... It's painful and it's it's one... It's a journey of much, much patience. And it's only after, you know, he as a human being without a wetsuit is showing up in the same place in the water for months and months and months before, you know, those creatures, especially this octopus, 
you know, builds trust and let, lets this person get close to him. But anyway, I, I think I'm rambling. I think this, I'll just wrap up by saying this is, I, I have not seen anything like this. And we have seen a lot of documentaries. And I think um, if it emotionally gets to you, and it did emotionally get to me, that's one thing. But I think just for the visual wonder of it, it's worth catching up. It's just an hour and a half. Uh, it's it's one of those very human things, which is an odd thing to say about a documentary about an octopus. It it wants me to be better and maybe change how I eat and so forth, which is uh, quite an achievement. Score. Eight out of ten, easily. Joe? Um, you used the word emotional, Yasdi, and I think that's exactly how I would describe this. I think it's... it's it's remarkable uh, in terms... It, it's such a unique experience. I don't know... I can't recall watching anything quite like it in, in the way that um, it, it, it built its and, and created its narrative. So, you know, on the assumption that it isn't just cleverly pieced together pieces of footage to tell a story, um, on the assumption that it's real, um, yeah, remarkable, wonderful, emotional, 8 out of 10. Everything you guys have said, and like the number of legs an octopus has, I will also give it 8 out of 10. Yeah, check it out. And it's on Netflix. Netflix. Okay, moving on then. Um, the next movie to talk about is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yes, so um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things is the latest movie from Charlie Kaufman. Yes, that Charlie Kaufman who made... Uh, uh, being John Malkovich, he did adaptation. He did, um, uh, you know, all kinds of movies. You know, he was uh, Eternal Sunshine, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Mind. Uh, and he was a writer in most of those, right? He didn't direct those. He directed. Uh, he directed. Um, I thought adaptation. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, the New York movie, uh, Schenectady, New York. Right, cynic joke, New York. <laughs> um, he, yeah, so he, but yeah, he he wrote he wrote uh, all those other movies that I'm talking about. The being John Malkovich adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then he most Anomalisa. and most recently he wrote and directed Anomalisa. So um, this particular movie, his latest, uh, which just opened on. I'm thinking, which just opened on Netflix, I'm thinking of ending things, is based on a book by a Canadian writer of the very same name. And um, I don't know what to say about this movie by way of introduction because I could honestly talk about this movie for a few hours. But, but suffice it to say that there is a lot going on in this movie um, beyond what is visually uh, seen by, by the viewer. Um, and here's, here's the two-sentence uh, summary out of uh, IMDb, which is that full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Um, like I said, it's written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, and it's, booked on, it's based on the book by Ian Reid. Um, and uh, for those of you who watch this movie and don't know quite what to make of it and I think that's 80-90% of the reaction for most people who watch it <laughs> um, I think at least reading about the book because the book is a little bit more a uh, bit, little bit less opaque and it's a little bit more clear in terms of uh, 
um, what to even make of it. Um, I certainly went back and, and read a lot about, about the novel, which, which gave me some clarity. Um, I should say that the movie stars the two Jessies in the lead roles, uh, Jesse Plemons, who's, who's been in a lot of stuff of late. Uh, he was in an amazing uh, sci-fi-based, Star Trek-based uh, episode on Black Mirror. Black Mirror, yes. Of Black Mirror, and then he was in... Breaking Bad. He was in Breaking Bad. He was also in in a movie where people are playing games, board games. Do you remember? Game Night. Game Night. He's also in Game Night. Oh, that's Night. right. Really Night. good, yeah. <laughs> so that Jesse Plemons here plays the main character, Jake. And Jesse Buckley, who we last saw uh, as the wonderful songstress in the movie... Wild Rose. Wild Rose. Wild Rose. Uh, she plays the lead. And then I should say that uh, Jake's parents are played by Tony Collette and David Theolis. So that rounds up the main cast. Um, I think we, I mentioned a little bit about this at my last podcast where I've said that I, without exception, always want to watch movies without knowing anything about it. Uh, but I think this might be the one movie where knowing a little bit about the movie, maybe even reading a few spoilers might help your understanding. And I'm going completely against my usual uh, recommendation, but I think it might help in this case. But anyway, um, I'll talk more later. What did you guys think of? I'm thinking of ending things. Okay, so um, much as I never quite understand Kaufman movies, I love them. I always come out better for having watched them and really admire them for the fact that they don't play to a dumb audience, right? They, they just play and you take away from them what you will. So, um, Yasti, thank you for the offer of trying to give us a bit of information, but we were kind of um, a little arrogant and stubborn yes. and said, no, please don't tell us anything about the movie. So we went into it cold. Wow. Um, so this is a curious puzzle of a movie, I'd say. And my advice is don't worry about the story as much as just admire the incredible acting and direction. Um, it feels a little psychological thriller at times, um, but I kind of enjoyed it for the strangeness of it. Um, and even once I knew what it was about, because we went back and kind of found out what it was about, uh, it didn't quite hold together. But despite that, I was just mesmerized by the amazing acting and each scene as it played out. I love this movie and I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> Unlike Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm going to do my very annoying habit of raising Christopher Nolan movies, but we just watched Tenet, and Tenet was a real puzzle box of a movie. Uh, this one is also a, a, a more tightly bound puzzle box. This is one where it was frustrating to try and understand so Rashmi, just like you said, I decided to not bother and just enjoyed it for what it was. And I didn't really get what I was seeing for most of the time in terms of, you know, the repetition of the scenes, the way that the scenes link together, the way that it, it turns into kind of a fever dream of an experience. And I know that there's some deeper meaning, well, meaningful metaphorical uh, aspect to this. Um, didn't get it. And still enjoyed it so make of that what you will the performances were were absolutely engaging jesse plemons is is fantastic yeah. and um uh what's her name jesse buckley jesse buckley is 
wonderful to watch um, all throughout the movie. Tony Plus Collette. Tony Collette. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's just fun to be there. And, and much like you, Yeti, you made reference to the movie Mother. Yes. Um, in speaking about it. Mother is a movie by... Um, Oh, oh uh, me. anyway, um, but that was a fever dream of a movie as well, and it felt Darren very... Darren Aronofsky. Thank you, thank you. Darren Aronofsky. Black, <laughs> Dan. Black like Swan, Dan. The Wrestler. Yes. Uh, so it was very much like one of his movies to me. Uh, it was mm. very frustrating, but engaging, so... Yes, D. Yeah, I mean, I I love the movie. I mean, I didn't have a choice because um, there's this podcast I listened to and I was um, heading somewhere and they at some point said that we are now going into spoiler territory. Turn off the podcast if you need to. And I was too disengaged. I was not thinking. And they very quickly got into the spoilers. So I, before I saw the movie, I already had a couple of theories in, which might explain what's going on in the movie. And that substantially, that substantially helped me, I think, um, understand the movie because I had at least one hypothesis to kind of draw the needle you know through all through all the threads in the movie um but i have spoken a lot with beth Accomando, you know our our uh, npr film critic here in san diego and she saw it cold as well and she, her reaction was very similar to the both of you which is that even without knowing anything about the movie the way it's structured and the way it's acted out it's never boring it it never it feels odd enough and strange enough that it holds you transfixed through the duration of the movie. Yes. Now, I envy that experience because I, I didn't get that experience, but I, I I thought I would be very frustrated, especially the last half hour of the movie where things just completely go berserk, I think. Um, <laughs> but, and we can, we can, I don't know, we can do a spoiler-free thing or we can do it after a podcast, but... I am glad for people like Darren Aronofsky because as frustrating as the movie watching experience might be or might not be, I think nobody's making movies which are just presented like this tightly wound puzzle box. And he's not giving you the slightest... Kaufman, you mean? Yeah, what did I say? Aronofsky. Aronofsky, sorry, but Kaufman and... Yeah, but Kaufman in particular, it's such a tight puzzle box and it, you know the more you try to loosen the clues the more the tighter it gets the tighter yeah, it gets yeah, yeah. it's almost like you're trying to put your finger in to budget and the more you're pushing the finger it tightens further around yeah you. no it completely resists analysis i right. mean it's like okay i think i know what the, i know that theory uh, there goes that theory. Yeah. okay move on <laughs> and and i think he further he does one further in that the ending of the of the book is very clear at the end of the book there's a reveal and it's kind of you know this is what it is he does not grant that to the movie and instead right. he adds on a little bit more to it so he's not giving you any concession as a viewer but I'm so thankful for Kaufman because we need to watch movies that we can talk about for hours and hours afterwards and try and kind of detangle it yeah and I think the joy of these movies is the fact that Sure, there may be an explanation out there of what it is, and sure, the book might tell you that, but as a viewer, it's kind of interesting to bring your own take of what's actually happening. Yeah. And this is one of those movies where the acting is so superior, and the fact that each actor almost has to play a number of characters, they're playing their character, it's almost like improv in a sense, where you give you're giving them lines and then they're doing them in different styles almost. Yeah. 
So you get to see range and depth from each of those actors and they deliver every scene, every character. And it's really just four, four yeah. main people on the screen at any given time. It's just a beautiful experience of watching actors at the top of their game. It's great. Yeah, and I think Jessie Buckley, again, without giving much away, her character is constantly evolving, shall we say, and she has to do different things based on very subtle Correct. things which are happening to the story. And her and it's remarkable what she... I mean, the very fact that that character comes around as fully grounded and believable in spite of these fissures in the structure. There's yeah. actual fissures. Yeah. There's, there's logic fissures which happen again and again in the movie. In spite of that, she comes across as a yeah. whole character is a testament to her superior acting. And just to give people an idea of how, how exciting and how thrilling it is, you know, there are scenes in the movie where he's talking to her and just for a split second, there's another actress instead of her. There are times when there's these jumps in time back and forth where one minute it's you know, a younger version of the parents and another version, it's an older version of your parents. So it's constantly throwing these things at you and challenging you. Try to figure this out. Yeah. Try to figure that out. Yeah. And it can be frustrating, but it can and also be very energizing. From scene her to costumes scene. change. Yeah, hairstyles. Her hairstyle changes from scene to scene and you're sense. like, what's going on? Yeah. And you and the more committed you become, like, I have to solve this. And yeah. Yeah. I can talk about this for hours. Yeah. So let, let's try and sum this one up because I know we still have two more, two more to get through. Jay. Yeah, as frustrating as I think the movie had the potential to be, and I can see why people wouldn't like this because, you know, it, it's, it's very unconventional. It's very... Um, it, 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 it just... It, con it constantly changes what you think it's about to the point where each scene then ultimately feels like its own new fresh thing um that thing that could like i say like like you said rashmi that that could be just like very frustrating but it isn't and it, it isn't because i think we're in the presence of great writing we're in the presence of great direction we're in the presence of great acting and as frustrating as I think this movie might have been to me in certain moods um, the fact that we were watching it at home we were able to catch every word with subtitles try and you know really think you know it, it was kind of fun to try and un unpack so I'm going to give it a, a, a surprising for me given how annoying that this type of thing yeah. can be. Uh, eight out of ten. Wow. Um, I really liked it. And, um, you know, maybe there's, there's, there's hope for me, for me yet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is quite a Holy Motors movie, like I, would think. Motors. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I would well, think. Exactly. No, I'm going to say, I bought Mother on Blu-ray. Like yes, you Mother did. Mother is, yes, is one of my favorite movies from that year. So. Yes, D. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 just, I just love the movie... Um, I just love what this writer-director is doing. There is so much here. You know, there's so much to um, deconstruct in this movie. There are references to um, to movie reviewers. There are references, you know, there are parts of A Beautiful Mind which get played, you know, verbatim in this movie. There is, uh, there's so much here. And I think 
I think once you once you have some theory in your head that unifies everything, to go back and revisit it with that theory in mind is just an absolute pleasure. So again, I'm so thankful for Kaufman that he's doing this and very, very easy eight, eight out of 10. I would give it an uh, even higher score. Also this movie I hope doesn't get lost when it comes to acting nominations at the end of the year. Just brilliant acting by the two leads. Uh, Tony Collette. Um, oh, she's amazing. She's she, always amazing. She overplays a character and still makes it work. I think she's required to overplay it, but boy, is she good here in a very limited role. So a, a stingy 8 out of 10. Please watch this. You may hate us afterwards, but you'll have seen something. Exactly. Um, you know, I just thought it's almost like a Rubik's Cube puzzle. The fact that when you get a Rubik's Cube and it's all mixed up, when you make one face, you feel so much so happy. When you get two faces, you feel happier. And then it's all about getting as many faces as you can, but you still get as much pleasure out of playing with the cube and making a face. Yeah. And I feel like this movie is kind of a metaphor for a Rubik's Cube. If you put this on, you will not think of ending it. So I'm also going to give this an 8 out of 10. Movie number three is... The Devil All the Time. So, Rashmi, yep. you're going to tell so us about that? So, this is directed and written by Antonio Campos. And this is basically um, sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwards town teeming with corruption and brutality. A good slice of Americana here. Um, and it stars... Um, Everybody. Everybody. Bill Skarsgård, Tom Holland... Um, Hayley Bennett, Kristen Griffith, um, Riley Keough's in here, Jason Clark, who I love, um, and Robert Pattinson amongst a whole host of others. Um, so Yazdi, tell us what you thought of The Devil All the Time. So I, I was so excited when I first heard about this movie because that's a dream cast, right? Robert Pattinson and... Uh, Jason know, Clark. Jason Clark and Riley Keough and uh, Bill Skarsgård and... Um, of course, Spider-Man himself, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. So I was yeah. so excited, and you know, it 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 plays like a gothic kind of southern, deep, dark, you know, tale of misery and corruption and so forth. Um, and the movie is all that, but I think this it's also based on a book. And by the way, there is a constant narration going out through the throughout the whole movie, and that narration is from the original writer of the book. Yeah. Um, I had a problem with this movie and my problem with this movie is that and I said this about this I gasped I, I know I said this about the movie Nebraska from Alexander Payne if you remember that black and white movie that yes. he made yeah very which frustrating movie which is that I have a problem with I have a problem with filmmakers or writers who have contempt for the characters that they're creating I think this this story has so much contempt for all of these characters, they're, <laughs> if they're not mean, nasty, horrible people, they're just outright sociopathic murderers. So, uh, not I think, all. well, 90%, maybe, maybe one or two get by. But, and we can get into this some more, but I, I had a problem with it, but I still think it's, it's great acting. Just watch it for how Robert Pattinson chose the scenery, just for that. And he shows up at the 45-minute mark. He's gone by the 55-minute mark, but those 10 minutes are just golden. Joe. 
Yeah, this movie has many, many problems, but it, it, it's one of those bad movies that I kind of enjoyed, right? I think um, it has it has many flaws, but I went with it on its journey. And I think I saw, I saw it for all its ambition. And I agree, Yasti, it... it there's there's no love for anyone in this like they're all they're all they're not just deeply flawed but they're all just dragged through the worst kind of hell that a person could be could be dragged through yeah and yeah i still found myself in a bizarre kind of roundabout way wanting to have the movie um resolve with with some level of of hollywood ending so it, it it kind of succeeded despite itself for me and um i i i don't know i mean i I'm struggling to articulate why i liked it other than i kind of did <laughs> yeah i'm with you on this one joe i really enjoyed the mechanics of the movie right because it's set over two decades three decades almost mm -hmm. um two and a half decades and so we see characters before and after a, a certain event. And I like how it resolves. And I just adored the performance by Robert Pattinson. <laughs> He's so good. He's so deliciously bad in this. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> I just loved it. This is such a dream <laughs> character right he makes me giggle yeah it does and and i love tom holland as well and you know these are english characters these are people who are english and they they play these you know deep americana so well um it feels just a good story i know what you're saying there are some concessions and it tries a little bit too hard but I really enjoyed it. It's it's a good Friday, you know, end of the week, something to take you away from the monotony of being quarantined in some ways. Well, it's cathartic. It kind of transports you, yeah, right? Yeah. You are transported into a completely different world of yesteryear, it feels. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It takes time to piece it all together and it brews slowly, but... I kind of like where it ends. I think maybe, so I think this, um, I had said this for um, Little Fires Everywhere. Like when you have a book and if you have a good writer, they can easily bounce 10, 15 balls in the air. They could have like a whole multitude of characters yeah. they can easily, you know, carry through. But in a, in a two and a half hour movie, there are three separate stories here, right? They're, and they all intersect eventually in time or in place. And each each story has about four different characters within it. Yeah. So there's about 12 characters in this movie. So th there's just not enough time to let these characters develop any depth. So they come off a little two-dimensional, some of them, I think. So th like Mia Wasikowska, what is she doing in this movie? She's just there for three scenes. And you, you I, I, she's such a great actor. And I wanted to know more about her character. And, you know, the same about... So I think the desire to to put to stuff if yes, all these characters in the movie might have been yeah, to its a detriment really point yeah um and yet despite that sorry to interrupt yes. i know you have another point to make but and yet despite the multitude of characters i i knew 
what was going on with all of yes, them yes, at no, any no, given no. time. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. it would have been very easy to lose one or more of those threads and make the movie um, frustrating. Yet, yes, I wanted to know more of each of them, but isn't that a good thing that we don't quite get what yeah, we need? Maybe, yeah. And, sorry. and then the other thing I wanted to make, and maybe I just, somebody told me the other day, you just over overanalyze things and maybe I should just enjoy them and not overanalyze. <laughs> but one of the other things is I, I hope, I hope the movie is not making the case that religion is bad because, you know, it's all set in the deep south and all of these people are very deep, you know, the church plays a very, very big role in in, in the whole story in terms of these are all people who go to the church, they're God-fearing people. And if if this story's attempt is to be critical about how, you know, extremism of religion leads you to do terrible things, then it's not doing such a good job because these people are bad, not because they're religious, they're bad because they're bad. They're they're awful human beings. So I just, I just felt like, and I'm the last person to defend religion, but it seemed like a cheap shot to me. No, those, those, I think. Maybe I'm overanalyzing. No, you aren't. I think that was the movie's intent. I, I really do think it was deliberately conflating right. evil with evil with, rel- with, with Christianity, blind faith, right? And with with blind faith. I don't think right. with Christianity. I think, yeah, it's definitely with blind faith, and because it has a couple of different ways it pokes correct at right. at correct. the church in particular. So, yeah, and I. I ha- I have to mention, as we're talking about that, Harry Melling, um, who oh, plays yeah. the preacher at the beginning and does that incredible scene with the live spiders on his face. Were they? Li- I was. I was wondering about that. Apparently, was live. This was going to okay. be my trivia for everyone. <laughs> apparently, they filmed it with him wearing this cape, um, and then put, you know, obviously CG'd out the cape. But those are real spiders because the director wanted authenticity. Um, so I actually attended a Q and A. Um, with the with the director writer, um, mm. and they were saying that that was you know he was all for it. Like they told him that this this guy doesn't like a lot of CGI, so they didn't want to do CGI spiders. Um, but Harry Melling is actually Dudley Dursley in ha- the Harry Potter movies. Oh, and I, he was recently in the in Old Buster Guard. He, oh, was he? I know. I he, oh, he so. was the bad guy in he the was Old the bad Guard. Guy in the old he was God. the British correct farmer owner. Correct. Oh, that's correct. right. Yeah, the, yeah. But he was in. The Legend of Buster Scruggs. He was, correct. He, you know the one about the guy who is correct, a singer. Correct. Which I loved. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a so, quadriplegic. Yeah. Correct. So so he's yeah. a really good actor. I think that's one to look out for, and it's a great performance. And I think actually, the more we talk about it, I'm kind of liking it even more now that we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I can start summing this one up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a, a movie worth watching. Um, and again, I- if nothing else, watch it for the uh, great performances. Um, this is another one, another eight out of ten for me. Wow. Yeah, I would give it a seven out of ten. And um, it's, it's, it's trying to be very epic. And I think if you if you just watch it as you know, a walk through Hades, like, you know, just, just, you know, going through hell and a story of retribution and trying to come out from just being surrounded by evil all the time, then, you know, I think, I think that that'll play much better. So, yeah, good Let seven out of ten. Let it wash over you. Be yeah. transported. Yeah. Joe. And Jason Clark. So oh, nasty. Everyone's so good. And Riley Keough. Oh, and my God. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I think a six is too stingy, and I say that 
um, because I think the movie is not as accomplished as I think it would like to think it is. But nonetheless, um, I think uh, I'm going to give it seven just to be generous because I enjoyed it, and and there's no there's no there's no way no the way of saying it you know it was a, f- a fun movie to watch it was a really interesting story it did keep me on my toes the, i thought the characters were, were 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 definitely um i enjoyed seeing them being tortured if that makes it's any sense it's a really sense. good juggling act i think you said there are so many things going on you're kind of watching the balls in the air and wondering if anything's going to drop and it doesn't. It, it delivers. Yeah, yeah. and the yeah. very fact that we've been talking about this movie for the last 15 minutes speaks at some degree to its yeah. success. Yeah. Final movie of the, the podcast formally is Cuties. So, uh, Yasti, are you going to tell us about Cuties? Yes, so Cuties has been in the news a little bit, huh? It's a movie. A little. It's a little bit. It's a French movie. Uh, whose original French title is Mignon. Mi- Mignons. As in fillet. As in fillets, yes. Um, no, as in cuties. <laughs> as in cuties. And it's, uh, sweeties, it's actually. That translates oh, actually sweeties. to sweeties. Mignon. Mignon is sweet, sweet. in French. Okay. So. Um, it's written and directed by Maimouna Decore, and um, I understand that it's it's very autobiographical in, in that the lead character in this movie, a girl who is 11 years old, is based on the writer-director's own experience uh, growing up in a certain part of uh, France. And so um, the the summary is that Amy, an 11-year-old girl, joins a group of dancers named the Curies at school and rapidly grows aware of her burgeoning femininity, upsetting her mother and her values in the process. And the reason why it's been in the news is because it's been sort of a lightning rod between the left and the right because the film has been accused of sensationalizing young girls. By people uh, who haven't even watched it, apparently. By people who haven't watched it. So uh, it's been accused of sensationalizing young girls and, and, and somehow it's been made to carry the burden of, you know, all film on its shoulders well, somehow while doing that. So, And that's been discussed a lot. I haven't seen it yet, but the both of you have, so I hope you guys do that. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, just to add to that... that that point so the controversy at this was in part because of a little bit of a gaffe um by, by netflix, netflix. Yeah. they they produced a poster that um was could be interpreted as somewhat suggestive and you know there there are all these you know, the world is such a strange place right now we are so divided politically and i think there is there are various theories about pedophiles and Hollywood and so this movie played straight into that narrative by depicting these girls on a poster in a, a somewhat you know the, the, these are pre, pre-teen yeah. teen you know kind of um, peri-teen yeah tweens the term thank you uh, age girls and so it, it, it talks the, the movie has something to say about the world and the pressures on young girls but the poster in particular came in for a lot of flack because um, those that choose to believe that Hollywood is uh, run by um, elite paedophiles um, had their evidence without seeing the movie so yeah. it was frustrating anyone would think that the poster said amuse-bouche on it um, which it doesn't um, okay I'll start look it's French uh, they are way more mature at watching movies like this than we are here in the US. 
Um, but I think once you get past the fact that this movie is not just about the controversy, it really opens up into both a poignant coming of age as well as a beautiful depiction of the immigrant experience I think and growing up in two worlds and I think you know much has been made about the fact that this is a sexualization of 11 year olds and 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 to me those girls read more like 12 13 instead of 11 um, but I didn't find this worse than movies like Towelhead um, I really or the movie 13 which had come yeah, out earlier or 13 or any of those look the minute you put a tw- an 11, 12, 13 year old girl in any movie um, it's going to be awkward right because that's what it's like being a girl of that age um, I think this is a really good movie and I think it's got a lot to say about you know um, obviously growing up but it talks about religion and fitting in and culture and community and so just just give it a go i think it's a really good movie yeah this this is the kind of movie that you can tell it's very personal because it it brings into focus a lot of things that i think somebody growing up in france as a female as a female of uh, foreign um, descent as a female of uh, Islamic descent um, how confusing that must have all been and I think she's trying to tell that story in as truthful a way as she can with this movie so um, th- there are many things that go through one's mind as one matures and one of the things that the movie does really well is you know when you l- look at the role models of of pop videos and rap videos and the kind of things that you know children at a preteen level are shown and 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 emulate so in in that way it kind of raises some of those questions right you know like i don't want to be fuddy daddy puritanical but you know if i had and well we have uh, a, a a very young niece great niece and i worry about the kind of things that she might be exposed to inadvertently because there are you know there, there was a time i think when when there was a watershed and, and things so you know when when parents and and cultures don't protect kids from that the, the way that they they don't really understand what they're watching they just think oh well that's that's a cool dance move you know no you know twerking isn't a cool dance move twerking is a a, a very sexually charged dance move that I would rather not see a nine-year-old girl emulating but you know so it has lots of those things so I really enjoyed this simply because it it, it throws in lots of things to think about um you know I, I bought the performances of all the girls I mean yes they're the kind of your, your standard mix of you know the, the the popular girl the mean girl the girl you know it reflects very accurately I think how mean children of school age can be totally um and especially girls at that age this other narrative about you know her mother and islam and and you know a father um and there's just so many things kind of thrown into that i feel like it would have it it would have been better kind of removing one or two of those Mm. elements to 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 be a bit more focused on on what it had to say but it it, i've been thinking about it pretty much non-stop since Mm. watching it and and like I say, I mean, you know, um, I, I I don't have parental responsibilities for a, a, a tween age girl, but it it just frightened me in in the sense of, um, 
how confusing the world must be at that age. So it was, it, it's done very well, and, and I, I really recommend it. Yeah, I remember uh, at, at Tribeca, we had watched this movie one time about these uh, two young kids who meet at a little uh, French resort from very two poor families, and the boy and the girl meet, and it's kind of their budding sexuality, and I don't think the answer is to not make movies about young kids. I think the movie, I think it's like the work we do. We should not not study drugs in kids. But when we are doing studies in kids, you need to be extra responsible. And so I, I dislike this thing about, you know, oh, you should not be making movies about the sexuality of kids. No, you should be, but you should, you have to do it um, in a way that you earn the res- earn the responsibility of doing that. And and do we really believe that 11, 12, 13-year-old girls aren't doing this? Right. I mean, we have friends who have young girl daughters right. that we've seen grow up and you know, I remember seeing their Facebook, Instagram feeds right. and thinking, "Oh my god, I'm so scared for them." I mean, it happens. Let's not right. be so naive. Yeah. Um there was nothing in there having been an 11-year-old girl that I didn't see others doing. Sure, it wasn't as uh, blatant because we didn't have the internet and phones, thank God. Um, yeah, I I think it's really naive to yeah. think that this is the reason that sex trafficking of young children yeah, is going to increase to yeah. to to endow that much pressure on this movie. Just doesn't make sense. So I can sum this one up. Don't listen to the Puritans who haven't watched it. Go watch it for yourself. I would easily again, easily seven out of ten. Maybe even an eight at the end of the year, but seven. Joe? Yeah, it, it's, it's very thought-provoking. It, it's imperfect in many ways, um, but I, I, I applaud it for its ambition. I applaud it for taking me into a world that feels very real. And, you know, I haven't been uh, a, a, teen, a pre-teen-year-old girl, so <laughs> I have to take it on, on, on faith that Rashmi says it's true to form when it comes to that but um it, it just again i think it makes me think about the world and i think i, I ironically the, the the puritanicals that are condemning the movie without having seen it if they understood the movie's message it in in some ways is supportive of what they're saying i mean i, I personally saw it that way my instinct immediately went kind of paternal towards them and i want i want to protect them and shelter from them and 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 not have them not see that stuff so I almost was thinking, you know, it, what are we, you know, twerking needs to not be shown to, you know, and uh, you know, before 11 p.m. Yeah, at rap night videos need to come with, you know, you know warnings, uh, warning yeah. signs on um, them. So, yeah, yeah but, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it, um, gosh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 again. This has been 8, all 8s for me today. Good but, movies. But I, I really did enjoy it. One thing that I have to warn everyone about that goes to watch this on Netflix is that for whatever reason... You didn't know this, Rashmi, because I fixed it before we watched it, but it defaults to a dubbed soundtrack. Mm. And I I'm, it's, I know some people hate subtitles. I get it. But an overdubbed soundtrack, even when it's done very well, is a very different experience to hearing the things spoken in the language. And I, I have the benefit of knowing some French and knowing some of the colloquialisms and, and getting some enjoyment from that as well. But... But really, don't don't watch an overdubbed movie. Just watch it as the as the as the director shot it with subtitles. Yeah. All right. So I'm getting the signal from Rashmi so that we we need to be wrapping up this podcast because uh, we are going to go grab a bite to eat. 
yay <laughs> so nice to be able to do that again <laughs> Um, so, so socially many things distanced. that we, we didn't socially get distanced. to talk Just about. Curious. We yes. are being very yes. responsible. Yes, yes we are. We are. We will be with face masks, and um, we are. We're, we're slowly dipping pinky toes back into the world. So, um, hope that we can eventually get back to normality. But um, so many more things that we did want to talk about today that we'll probably save for a future podcast. Yes. Um, what I will say is watch Ted Lasso. Uh, Cheeky. And Rashmi Cheeky. will say watch The Long Way Up. And yes. Yazdi will say watch Train. Retablo. Retablo. And, and Train to Busan. But we'll talk more about it in a, in in a future podcast. podcast so. Yes. Until next time, as always, too many movies, too little time. Thank you for listening. A goodbye from me. Good night from me. And good evening from me. <laughs> <laughs> and now for a spoiler alert for I'm Thinking of Ending Things. We're going to spoil the movie, so if you haven't seen it and you want to know nothing about it, stop the podcast now. And yes, I'll, I'll do the spoiler alarm Um if if we can because i think you said there was a piece of information that you thought would be useful for us to have watching it so eh, eh, eh. yeah spoiler alarm i think i think there are many pieces which are spoilers but i think for me the primary helper was that the female character doesn't exist it's a figment of his imagination that it is something that He's having a fever dream maybe towards the end of his life and he is imagining a perfect girl that he brings to his parents to visit. And if you see it within from that perspective, it explains maybe 80% of the movie. There's still 20% which doesn't make sense, but that everything she is is something he's imagined and her very persona is created by things he has read and things he has seen in his life. Interesting. Okay. And well, I read I, that it's apparently, you know, he's now a sort of a lowly janitor in a exactly. school. That's and him. this is the life he imagined he would have had. It's so all in his imagination. It's very fight club. Plausible. Very fight club. Yeah. Plausible. All right. Well, I might cut that out and drop that into the end of the podcast. Um, but, yeah, thank you. That, that, that. Now I want to watch it again. <laughs> I thought it was a psychotic dream. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And 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 the and the name of the movie. I'm thinking of ending things. It works great in terms of a relationship, but it also works so much more poignantly in terms of a life. That's what I thought. Yeah, I thought so it was actually. I thought it was about suicide. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it? <laughs> <Who knows>? <laughs> yes. <laughs>